The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. This is the second um, crazy side note. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but this is the second podcast um, that I've made that intro for the with the planes trains and automobiles thing um originally had done it as a spec intro for uh 2013 i think as a um as an introduction for a uh variety show podcast that uh where they they interviewed trending they interviewed comedians that's what it was traveling comedians and talked about current issues and stuff Hmm. they hated it Yeah, yeah, they were much happier with their, with their guy screaming into a megaphone at a microphone intro that they used. You can usually yell louder than a megaphone. Yeah, they just wanted like they just like that that sound. They also they also didn't like the idea of having anything that sounded well produced. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even kidding. That was that was one of the comments from um, from one of the hosts is he didn't want anything that sounded like it was well-made because he want aside from aside from the the like the the interview recordings being clean and clear he wanted everything else to sound kind of crappy which to him meant indian independent and to me it just said well no it just sounds crappy <laughs> yeah okay well um this is exciting. This is our 99th podcast. Oh, is it? Yeah. Today oh. is today is 99. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed your Christmas. So we um, start the new year with episode 100. That's right. That's right. That's interesting. Got a lot to figure out by then. <laughs> that gives us, what, a week to plan? Sure. Which, which in our world means about 45 minutes. <laughs> right? Um <laughs> Yeah, so so we're gonna we're gonna do a as much of a focused episode as we can. Um, we're recording this early. We're recording this before Christmas, but by the time everybody listens, it will be Christmas Day. No, or Boxing later. Day. Boxing, oh, Boxing Day. Day. That's right. Boxing Day, because you are technically working Boxing seventeen Day. hours at the store, um, and you might not survive. Um, you'll be happy to know well, that it's if, the busiest day of the year. If in the you store. die during boxing day in the rush of customers uh, i'll live on in the podcast or? well I, I was gonna say i have replacements for you already oh <laughs> okay <laughs> have have backups just in case contingency <laughs> nice to know i'm so easily replaced <laughs> uh, isn't that true for all of us oh yeah yeah i remember distinctly having that argument over several months with one of the bands that I was in, the only person in the band that wasn't replaceable was the singer because she wrote all the songs 
and it was her style of music and every, everyone else in the band was so like I was playing bass I didn't play anything more than a generic bass part the guitar player thought he was super unique but he was incredibly not um, and the drummer was he hit drums in a kind of in time fashion all three of us could have been replaced. She was and the only I'm one. I'm guessing at the end of like this that. argument, y- you were replaced. I was, I was, I was <laughs> replaced. That's right. <laughs> uh, actually, the uh, the drummer came over to my side. He um, he started he started understanding what, my perspective, um, and he started working a little harder. Um, mm. and but he was also, you know, he was also more involved with the singer anyway. So. Okay. Even if he was replaced, he'd end up being, end up being like stage manager or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. Um. So. <clears throat> oh, I just smacked the microphone. That's professional. So I was thinking, today we have uh, Roland with us again today. I'm thinking that we go down a path of of things that people think matter that just really don't we, the, the we, reality is is you're just trying to list things to get me all wind up i know because that's good radio <laughs> when you get when you get agitated and frustrated and ranty that's that makes for good content when you get into your it doesn't matter it is what it is modes that's not as good so we want to get you fired up. We want to get you passionate. We want to get you angry. And if we get you yelling into the mic, that's even better. I don't think I've ever yelled at a mic yet. No, I don't think you have. You, you've, you've gotten worked up though. Oh yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> stupid part is, is you, you, you do it on purpose. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just lost in the conversation and like, and I don't even notice that you're agitated until we're done. I was like, oh man, you got really worked up. That's fantastic. Other times you're like, oh, you're getting agitated. I'm going to keep, let's keep arguing against you. <laughs> <laughs> and it always kind of frustrates me more because I, I can look at you and I know you don't actually believe the shit that you're saying. <laughs> Uh, I once made a girl cry at a party, um, house party. We were arguing about chiropractic medicine and she started saying things that were, that were just completely nonsense in against chiropractic medicine. And, and, um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm of course drunk and arguing myself in circles and I make, I make sense in my own head, mm-hmm. but the girl turns to her sister. That sounds like you normally. Yeah, I uh, know. <laughs> Don't need the alcohol for that. Uh, the girl turns to her sister, who was a good friend of mine, and says, you're on my side, right? And the sister, my friend, says, Sarah, I don't... Wait, Jen, Sarah was the friend. Jen was the girl I was arguing with. Jen, I don't think you understand how James argues. <laughs> and of course, Jen just starts... Waterworks turn on... Of course, we had an audience at this point because it was in the middle of a house party and we were getting, I was getting really animated. Okay. I was loving it. It it was, it was, it was such a fun time, but she starts crying and I'd have no idea what to do because I'm drunk and socially awkward anyway. And so I stand up, I look around the room and I see an escape path and I walk down the hall (laughs) and I go find her boyfriend 
who's hot boxing in one of the bedrooms. And I say, dude, I, I think I made your girlfriend cry. And he looks at me, passes me a joint and he says, she probably deserved it. <laughs> I know. Right? Uh, they are needless to say, not together anymore. Although they did last six years. Yeah. Okay. I'd probably say something similar to about Mary. If, if she probably like, deserved it. <laughs> uh, you'll pay for that one later. I would either say that or I'd say, oh, she's just a baby. <laughs> probably be the latter. <laughs> she uh, is a baby. Okay. So we're talking about things that people think are important but just really aren't and and all three of us have made a list and we're gonna we're gonna take turns firing them out and we'll discuss them and then move on sure sound okay sure almost interesting no you look bored already i'm just tired still it was a late night last night you need more coffee Uh, i still have coffee we should have filled you up before we started yeah whatever all right okay i'll wake up so who wants to start no? Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I wrote down a bunch of things that may or may not be important, and I'm hoping that we'll come to not a consensus, but some sort of argumentative disagreement that won't come to fistfights. Okay. I'm pretty good at not hitting people. <laughs> uh, okay. It's a skill in itself. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, so, I am going to start with, I am going to start with something that Joey and I have talked about. Expensive gear versus cheap clones. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm of the, the mindset of if it's going to pay for itself, it doesn't matter what you use, but if you're buying expensive gear for the namesake, like you're an idiot. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and that's the, that's the thing. When one of the, one of the arguments for cheap clones is of course they're cheap and they sound, the job. they sound close enough that the difference yeah. doesn't matter. Is the WA 12 versus, uh, an old API, an old API, uh, 512 or yeah. whatever, like which one's going to pay for itself quicker? Probably the WA 12. So what's right. the better investment? Probably the WA-12. So, so um, let's use uh, one, of my, one of my favorite comparisons right now that I, that I debate about is the Pultec style EQs. There's, some, there's, some, there's a whole bunch of clones from the really expensive to the really fucking cheap. Um, Clark Technic uh, has the 300 American tech clone that is even more versatile than the original right that sounds like i want that we've talked about this on the podcast before probably (laughs) okay i talk about gear on a daily basis man (laughs) so my big reservation about the cheap one is that they've cheap in, in order to keep it cheap they've had to cheap out on components yeah but if it does the same butterfly pattern as the original. Right. I, I, then I don't care. Except when you consider how long are those cheap components going to last versus how long are more expensive components going to last, 
right? And that's that's I mean that's a really fine. I don't balance, know. I right? think my con- biggest concern about cheap components would be how noisy is the noise floor versus the mm-hmm. more expensive components. And and uh, I mean, and if it so long as it's within reasonable tolerance, like yeah. I can push a lot of sound out of there before I'm getting noticeable noise floor. I think I'd be more prone to the cheaper one than the more expensive one. Sure. All things being equal. Yeah. Right. All things being equal. Like on paper, it looks like a better investment. But, but what about, what about the difference between how long are these components going to last? Like, is that cheap one going to last me five years or is it going to last me 15 years or is it going to last me 35 years? Whereas the more expensive one, is that one going to last me five years or 15 years or 35 years? Well, and, and which which becomes the better long-term investment? I right? don't... For something like that, I don't think components... Components play a big factor in the, the, the entire audio Yeah, path. but like the lifespan of components, like even cheap ones, modern cheap ones should last you like a lifetime. Theoretically, right? Theoretically, yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's always been my but, big concern. Like the more expensive ones, like those generally, like those components, like when they're gone, they're gone. Right. That's going to be a pain in the ass to find. Same I could suppose. apply for the cheaper one, but I've I've noticed that cheaper models tend to have a modern equivalent, whereas more expensive stuff, like things just disappear and there's, there right. is no replacement. You have to buy the original part. And when there is nobody making them anymore like prices skyrocket and it's just, mm-hmm. it's a money sink it can be yeah and yeah. i don't know I, i'm a person where if like there's a modern equivalent to the part and it's cheap or cheaper than buying the original i'll go go with right. that i don't care if it changes the sound a little bit and that's that's one of the um i've i've always been a big fan of clark technic gear i love their eqs i love their um i love their compressors and now to have the Pultec and the 1176 clones that they have, which I think both of them look fantastic. Um, I would want them just based on their look, because as far as the clones go, I think they look wonderful. Well, but I'm, my concern is, am I gonna am I gonna invest five hundred dollars in in a unit and have to replace it, um, or spend a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars on a repair? in three, five, ten years, you know? And, 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 well, if and it if takes that, ten years before you need a replacement, I think you got your money's worth out of it. And that's, and that's three kind of years. Like, right? that, that'd be like, uh, yeah, of course you're not going to know that without some extensive testing, but I, I, I don't know. I, I imagine those components have a pretty long lifespan. It would be nice if they do. Assuming that you don't get like the one out of factory that is yeah a shorter lifespan right and that's and that's just that's just the overall big but the same thing can happen to your expensive one where it right. lasts for two months and then i don't know a resistor blows up or something yeah well i mean just uh case in point the um the rupert neve designs portico 5024 that we had yeah. um i had a um after two years i had a um uh solder joints um start breaking apart and then after uh after four years it started having um started having uh uh, a scratchy pot 
and then right from the beginning it had it had a meter that was um that was really funky intermittent mm. right and that was i mean that was a thirty five hundred dollar unit right yeah so which i, I don't hope, know i hope the guy that I, bought it is enjoying it, I, I think that point is mute because expensive units can suffer from the same problems as the yeah, you're right or, like that argument can can be still applied to right. the more expensive one yeah that's fair so to cool. me i would go with the cheaper one because it will pay itself off quicker and that makes that makes sense uh, especially if if it is if it is something that that ends up lasting a reasonable amount of time for the money yeah like yeah. even if it only lasts five years you'll probably get that 500 bucks back in five years or at least i would hope so <laughs> well yeah that's just it yeah okay um let's move on to the next topic who wants to go next roland throw us one okay i'll go uh things that are important or things that people think are important that may or may not be may or not be okay uh I have here uh, people that I think that they put way too much importance on the preamps and the mics when the player and the instruments in the room are more important. That's absolutely true. So, yeah, that's usually like a beginner's trap where they will be like, what's the best microphone? What's the best preamp? And they, they go through this like mindset of buy the best gear. And then when they have all the best gear, it still sounds garbage it's just it still sounds awful because the performer sounds terrible or the instrument is in terrible shape or yeah 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 Yeah. or you know like when people are looking at a studio and they're making a decision on who they're going to record with uh, usually they'll look at the gear list but then i don't know you know like most of those people though don't have any idea what any of that gear is so yeah i've I've lost up until up until the point where i got a u87 i I'd lose a client a year at least um, because I didn't have an 87 and it was, it was never from people that know what they're talking about, but it was just people that they heard about that one microphone. Yeah. Or, or there was that, there was that dude I interviewed. I think I've told this story before. I interviewed to be a singer in a band that had management and representation. Um, And they were, they had, they had a, they had someone funding a residency at beta sound studios. So this is going back. This is probably 2011, 2012. And they really enjoyed my sound and they thought it would be a good compliment to the, to the, uh, to the band. But the manager had to interview me first before he'd, he'd be open to the idea. Fine. All good. He starts, he finds out that I have a studio. He asks me one simple question. Are you running Pro Tools? Yes. Second question. Are you running Pro Tools HD? And I said, no, it's not worth the, it's not worth the cost. It's not worth the expense. He says, well, then you're not a, you're not a real studio anyway. So you might as well just shut down the studio and go full time in the band to which I told him to go fuck himself. But, but oh yeah, I, I think I would use those exact words, right? It's just like, fuck you, buddy. I'm not spending 10,000 fucking dollars for a thing that's going to upgrade in two years. And then I have to spend <laughs> another $10,000 yeah that's that's brilliant business sense there yeah exactly right but that was that was the thing for him for him if you didn't have that thing then you couldn't possibly be serious or you know i could buy a cheaper daw that gives me the same track counts as friggin' hd 
you know, like Reaper, 60 bucks, two versions. So I get like exactly. 10 years out of it. And I have unlimited track counts. I don't have a limit of 96 or whatever the fuck Pro Tools is doing to try to make you buy their overpriced piece of crap yeah. that's like 10 years behind. <laughs> uh, uh, I just got an email from Avid. Um, they are they have started an Avid community panel where they take, they take um, user submissions, um, put them through a community-based... Um, adjudication process and then implement those those user suggestions into their softwares across all avid products pro tools included um, but it was a it was a really interesting really interesting process where they they're not they're not just they're not just leaving it up to the team of software developers they're actually actually engaging community and they said in 2017 they implemented 62 um, 62 user suggestions into into their software that directly through this through this adjudication process. I thought it was really cool. Cool. They should have done it like ten years ago. They should have. <laughs> but when you know better, right? <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to the next point. Joey, your turn. Uh, my first one's just panning. Right. I always see these posts of like, where do you pan X Y Z, and just I always want to respond and be like, LCR, <laughs> nothing but LCR. And 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 yet I I remember listening to uh, to a and I don't um, even follow that advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I actually I use a combination of LCR and Dave Pensado's rule of three. I don't know this rule. Uh, he he's going off of um, the same rule you go for photos type of thing where you have like uh, if you have a picture you have a three by three grid for that picture. Okay. Yeah. And generally, it's just in terms of audio, if you were to pan something uh, from center to left, you have like your three spots. Oh, yeah. Okay. From center to so right like is your other 3%. 70%, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. That's cool. And that's that's how I pan is just like that. Like if I could just make a thing that had like mm. a stepped panning knob, that's how I would do it. Yeah. But they're not. So I just like roughly go to wherever it is I need to go. I don't even care about the exact number. I just like, yeah, that looks about right. And and if, if something sounds wonky, you address it. But otherwise, yep, yep. I um, I remember hearing a um, Red Hot Chili Peppers record where it was basically in mono. Well, most records, well, most well, heavy records are. But they really, yeah, dual mono. You, you, you record the same parts and pan them hard, left, hard, right. No, no, it's no. But basically mono. This, this was a Chili Peppers record, though, so they didn't follow any of those rules. Yeah. And and they're they're That's not right. big. They're not big, dirty guitars, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was it, like the based on listening to it downstairs in the in the control room, they might have had the drums panned as wide as like like thirty percent, thirty percent either side. Okay. And then and then. There was the occasional like a shaker that was out on out on the right or a or a hand claps out on the left, you know. But for the most part, guitars, bass, vocals, drums all fit right in this tiny little wedge, and you could just hear a little bit of a movement back and forth. And you could tell the toms were panned, but it was it was it was just a little bit like. Yeah. And but, I and I, I thought it was really cool because I'd heard that record many times because i had a buddy that loved it force fed it to us um 
And so I'd, I'd heard it many times, never once noticed the panning, never once even cared. Well, and it still sounded great. I just get annoyed with all these kids that are coming up and being like, oh, I have to pan hard left and right for my guitars. <coughs> Why? Why do you have to? Because everybody else does. Oh, that sounds boring. Yeah. Well, uh, I, if you listen to David Bowie songs, he has like drums that are like hard left and then another drum kit in the same song, hard right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Like Space Odyssey, I think, does that where the drums, like there's two different drums and they're panned hard left, right really? from each other. I think that's Space that Odyssey or it's a different song. Is it that, that album, 1979? It was 69. It, it was an older record for okay. sure. But like one of the songs, and it is one of his famous songs, like there are like two distinct drum kits and they are left and right awesome i'm gonna have to go look that up because i i've i've loved david bowie for years and i've never once sat down to listen to production yeah i have to do that yeah yeah but that's that's the thing right like like it, it just it just doesn't matter at the end of the day most things come across as mono anyway so well most people are listening out of like their their iphones or yeah their, your phone which yeah. might be stereo, but it they're like so close to each other, it may as well be mono. Yeah. Mine's mono. And I guess if you get into the habit of mixing in mono, then panning doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, you can do some cool things well, with panning, but... You can use panning to help make it so that when it collapses to mono, that you can still hear the, hear the parts. Because if you only have one thing on left, when you collapse to mono, it's going to still be there. Whereas if you have left and right, you're going to lose something. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you have two guitars that sound too similar, they're not going to, they're not going to collapse properly. They're going to have some phase issues regardless. Yeah. Right. But if you address those issues, mixing in mono. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're, yeah. No, you're right. Well, yeah. You're if right. you mix in mono and yeah, you like address those issues, then, yeah. then, then once yeah. You, yeah. you don't have to worry about that. But the same thing, like panning can help with fixing those issues. You can pan something hard right and not be on the left at all. And okay. it will essentially do the same thing with less work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, okay. In my turn, I guess. I guess. Um, let's do this one. Analog summing. What about it? How do you feel about it? First off, do you you know what analog summing yeah. is? Okay. Um, I just wasn't sure if we'd ever had that conversation. Multiple times, because you're always looking for analog summing. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm lazy, so I don't care enough. What? And there's so many analog emulated things for a computer. Like, I, I, I just consider that close enough. I know it's not the same. Well, yeah, but I mean, they, like, they say the math has gotten good enough that you should not be able to tell, right? I don't know. I've heard, like, comparisons. Like, APIs, for sure. I, I'm pretty sure I pinpointed out that the only thing they're missing in the math is the transformer noise or what the transformer does to a sound. But it's so small what it does that I don't think it matters. I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Like, the API what? Uh, just, I remember comparing, I think it was the 550A or something like that. Okay. And somebody had like recorded 
the analog piece of gear and they versed it against uh, UAD and Waves version of it. Oh, yeah. And I felt that UAD was the closest to it and that the analog version still had this slight, like, I gotcha. noise to it. Right. But it took me, like, focusing on what I was listening to and I think I pinpointed it to the Transformer being... Right. Adding that noise. Fair enough. Okay. I think. Like, I, I don't know for sure, but I think because of a lack of Transformer, like, digital versions will never have that mm. very small thing. But That's I think... Fair. At the I'm, same time, you know, the UAD thing is like 95, 99% of the uh, real thing. The real so thing, why yeah. do I care? I've been absolutely in love with um, the 5500 downstairs, the API 5500. I absolutely love that EQ. Like it's it's just, it's it's a combination of the way it works for me and the low end that it brings out in its specific way. Fucking Awesome. I'm just really happy with it. I'm glad I made that that commitment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can see why people would want a summing box, but for for me, for for me, it's all like I use the console for summing when I'm doing analog for summing. Yeah. Um, so you have a giant summing box. I have a giant summing box. Uh, but for, <laughs> for me, it's all about for me, it's all about the 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 relative differences um, as I bring stuff up on the console, like. I'm every time, every time I sum, something is going to be different because I've touched a fader or I haven't set the fader back exactly the same way, or my balance between the drums and the guitars are, are slightly shifted just because I have the, I have the right fader up half a decibel over the left fader. But I got to be honest, I don't, I don't know that I hear any difference beyond those kind of human error things mm -hmm. that can happen in an analog system, but will never happen. I mean, not never, but they'll rarely happen in a, uh, in a digital summing system. Right. And a lot of people are trying to do the hybrid summing systems where they can recall. Yeah. Their things. Yeah. If you're using, if you're using some of those, some of those passive summers that have, um, um, that have no control. It really is just lines in out of your DAW or whatever. And it, it just internally sums things down to a, to a stereo output. Then there's, I mean, there's no, there's no human factor there. Right. Short of someone wiring something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the next thing? Uh, Roland, your turn. My turn. Uh, where are you going? <laughs> uh, that's the question. Yeah. Continue. Don't wait for Continue. Me. Yeah. Okay. I think that. Uh, okay. It's sure budget is important, but I don't. I don't like when people ask the question, "How much do you charge?" Because they're not giving you enough information to give them a price. So. Yeah. But I think like okay, what your price is is not as important as. You know, like understanding the value of what 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 the work is. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh. I, I can understand the annoyance. I, I, I remember used to be annoyed with that question too because I would always think I need more information to give you an accurate quote. But I've just kind of grown used to being like, worst case scenario, here you go. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, you've gotten... And then, I, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll usually add more to that and be like, here's the worst case scenario. I don't think it'll cost you this much. If you give me more information, I can give you a more accurate... 
um, accurate estimate estimate, yeah. and this is the kind of information I need to actually do that. Now, if they don't want to reply back because they see that number uh, being the worst case scenario, then whatever. Yeah. I'm in a situation where that, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I deal with that question all the time too. Um, and I, I feel like feel like it really starts making sense. It, it becomes less important um, once you're confident in your pricing. Um, like once you believe that you've found your own value, this is how much I'm worth. This is how much I, I expect for doing the work on this. Um, and you're, and you're comfortable saying no when they ask you for a lower price. Or even if you think they're going to ask, if you're comfortable saying no, you know, that's the point where, that's the point where that question ceases to be, ceases to be important. Right. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Cause we're getting, my current job has helped with a lot of that. Yeah. Cause yeah, I have you to deal with that every talk day. with people who are constantly like, oh, so what, what can you do for me? And you're constantly having to be like, I'm, I'm already you stuff. gave you <laughs> Well, no, like there are people who will be buying our used equipment. And so like, I will go out of my way and be like, well, my cheapest one I have in stock is this one. It's going for this price, which is usually like half the brand new price. And then they'll be like, so what kind of deal can you make on that? And it's like, that is the deal. Yeah. It's half price. What more do you want? Yeah. And then I yeah, actually, I, I've gotten good at communicating with people and like let them know like i actually i'm not going lower but and here's why this is this is something you, you'll probably get to i actually feel more confident about my prices when someone asks me for a deal you know when when someone when someone says uh you know you got to give me a better deal than that i actually feel more confident that my price is right when they start when they start trying to haggle or trying to bargain yeah, what is that I don't know. It's, um, it, and I know in, in a lot of cases, it's just a cultural thing that, that, um, that they haggle on principle, right? Like that's just how they were raised. Right. But, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just feel, I feel like the moment someone asks me to give them a better price. Well, if they're haggling with you, it shows that they're interested in actually hiring you for your service. Yeah. So you've already made a price that isn't too much for them that they're willing to try and haggle you down. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah. But it, I, it's it, basically a confirmation that you are needed and that they're willing to pay you money. Mm -hmm. And thus you shouldn't go too far down from what you already are at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, um, uh, what was that thing? Where is that? Damn. So yeah, it's a weird bit of psychology, I guess. Yeah, it's. Don't worry. You'll eventually be telling people fuck off. Okay. <laughs> I hope you're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, I mean, the point I was making is like making that question usually doesn't go anywhere. Like I, I, I wish clients would ask that question better in a, in a different way. Well, unfortunately, they don't always they don't have know. experience, yeah. and so they and that's they and they need to have experience in doing this stuff to 
really be able to ask that question properly anyway. That might be, that might be as much our responsibility to educate them. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for, looking for new ways to write an email or write a paragraph or to tell someone in person how to understand what it is that I'm talking about in a, in a really simple way. Um, every time I write something new, I feel it's that I feel is better. I make a copy of it. I make a copy of it, store it in a notes file and, um, and I can recall it instantly. Okay. Joey, your turn. Uh, open up that iPad of yours. What's next on your list? Uh, people like talking about DI boxes and the importance of buying an expensive one versus a cheap one. I don't, Mm. I don't think there's any difference between a $50 DI box as opposed to a $300 DI box, except for like the added features that a $300 DI box we were actually should talking. give you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were actually talking about this the other day. Um, the, uh, we started, it started talking about it because of the, the, the reamp box mm-hmm. that we got. Um, the idea that, a that a cheap DI isn't as good as a say a three hundred dollar DI, and why some guys swear by like we were. I think we were specifically talking about the Countryman, the Countryman eighty five. Yeah, DI. everybody swears by it, but like, and and the only thing I can the only thing I can think of is because there's not a lot of componentry involved. In no, a, a DI right? box is a very simple circuit, it, and 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 surely at three hundred dollars, the Countryman. I mean, used you can get them cheaper, but. $300, the Countryman is, I expect that to have a, a much better transformer in it. Cause that's the heart of a DI box is the yeah. transformer, right? The, yeah. And, and if it, if trans a single transformer is not going to make that much of a diff, difference in a, a signal, you are need several. Active, are they an active transform, uh, active DI, the Countryman? Do you guys know? Uh, an active I believe it's passive. Okay. Um, but one of the things that makes the Countryman more expensive is it not only does it have uh, an instrument level direct input, it also has an amp level direct input. So like the output from your amp would go through the Countryman DI and then to your speaker, right? That, that's one of the things that makes the Countryman. So you can you can actually direct record the output of your amp while still having the load yeah. on. Well, See, then that that would be a feature that is worth it. Exactly, and that's that's what you said. It's 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 all about the features. Yeah, but I would still if expect... it has features like that, I understand why it costs so much. Right. But if it you're just buying a three hundred dollar DI box yeah. and it doesn't have like the I can take signal directly from your head, um, then why are you spending that that much money? So the um. Like I like the Rupert Neve one because you can take signal directly from your head and then to your speaker, right? To and, just and, have a load. And, and and to me, to me, the Rupert Neve one is a is a perfect example. Um, it it has a Rupert Neve design transformer in it, which I really like. Now I'm a bit of a fanboy, Rupert Neve fanboy, so I'm I'm very biased in that direction. But that transformer is worth is worth the extra expense of that Rupert Neve DI. But that Rupert Neve design DI also has significant um, features to it that make it worth 
but it's that it, as well. It, it's just that one. It's just that one. It it it's it's a it's a normal DI plus the amp level DI, yeah. right? So it's just those just those two things, right? Same as the countryman. Yeah. Right? But then but then you you compare that to I have a pair of old Yorkville DIs. Yeah. That I think that that I love. I also happen to know that you can't you can't drive the input of that Yorkville DI all that hard or it nope. starts to distort because that transformer doesn't it's have the same headroom. It's not designed for that. No. Well, but you can run uh, API uh, DIs in reverse, and not all DIs can do that. What? Yeah. How do you, how do you mean? Uh, or like, there's several things like uh, ART. Yeah. Uh, they make their DIs so that it will communicate in every direction you want. So you could run it as a reamp box. Yeah. Interesting. I actually, I'm going to test that out. Yeah, you can run use it as a, a reamp box. That's really, really interesting. Uh, another thing you can do is if you had a stereo signal, you yeah. can go into the through output, yeah. and then it'll most, act as a summing box. Most uh, most DIs do that. The Yorkville, the Yorkville ones, do, every DI that I've tried that on has been able to do the that. The radial ones don't. They don't? Then they must have an electronic... Um, an electronic division or like some radio boxes don't like the, the, the green block that most people get the passive one. I believe so. The blue, I, th I think the blue one is the active and the green one is the passive. Yeah. I, I, I believe you can't use the throughout okay. as a, a second input. Interesting. I, I, every, like the, the art one, um, that we have, I can, the, uh, yeah, the ARTs, the, the, ARTs, the, uh, the Yorkville, ones that we have can mm -hmm. um even even the a designs red di you can run you can run into the through and the um yeah i think i don't know if the rupert neve design one can do that i imagine it would because they tried to load as many features into that thing as possible yeah in a little tiny 300 hundred dollar package yeah 350 isn't it something like that yeah yeah Anyway, I, I do I do see the value of of having nicer transformers, specifically for things like sure. for things like headroom and for things like. But I like don't see detail. why you should be buying a three hundred dollar DI box when that three hundred dollars could go into other things that'll. Uh, okay, okay, something like this. Um, running the Yorkville DI, I notice a tiny loss in low end, versus something else I would expect not to something more expensive, the Countryman, for example, or the Rupert Neve, for example, I would expect not to lose that little bit of low end. Is that a little bit of low end worth 300 bucks to you? Well, it, probably not, but but combined with the other factors, the extra features, then it, you know, it yeah. be. Well, see, I have no problem with the extra features, but there are too many people out there that are just buying the Countryman to use it as a DI box, and they don't understand that it has all these other features. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess in, in that context, um, I was talking to Ryan at, uh, Long Island downtown mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, probably, um, about this. And he was, he was telling me his experiences with the radial DI or radial, um, reamp boxes. And they have the passive one and the active one plus the JCR. Um, but he was talking about the, the passive one. He felt like there was a, there was a slight loss of high end um, running through that box, whereas the active one he felt was much 
much clearer, much more detailed. Hmm. Um, wasn't worth the $100 difference to me because I tend to roll off a bunch of high end anyway on most things, especially guitars and bass and bass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy's Joy's sick of this one. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, whose turn is it? Yours. My turn. All right. Uh, here we go. Um, the idea of and I, and I see this posted around on um, on recording blogs all the time. The idea of buying three cheaper mics instead of one great mic. You know, like like the. Instead of buying a U87 for $3,000, buying three $1,000 mics. Mm, I think that depends on the situation you're in and what you're recording. If you're just recording like one or two things at any given time, maybe buying the $3,000 mic is the better route to go. But if you're wanting to record like an entire drum kit... Then you need, you then need, you more, need mics. more mics. So buying the cheaper mics, yeah, that, that that is the way you should go. Right. So I don't know. That That's a very situational thing. Yeah, that's fair. But at the same time, if you're going to buy $3,000 U87, I would sway you to buy the <laughs> Aston. $500 Aston mics. Yeah, because it sounds just as good. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the thing is that that comes down to... Um, the cheaper mics versus the more expensive mics. You get more cheaper mics or fewer more expensive mics. I mean, we can we can apply that across across lots of gear too, right? Yeah. You know, it brings us back to that first conversation. But, um, Roland, do you have a do you have an opinion on that? You uh, well, again, very situational, but I probably lean towards cheaper mics and have more of them. Because at the end of the day, we established before that mics are not as important as the player and the gear and the room. That's right. That that's very true. So I'd rather own six Aston uh, Spirits as opposed to one U eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. You look at it that way, right? Uh, okay, Roland, your turn. Turn. Expensive plugins. Expensive plugins. Or, you know, or buying plugins overall. I think you oh, can yeah. you can mix can do just as good of a mix with free plugins. Yeah, you've been you've been doing um all your mixes with I just I haven't the, spent a penny on a plugin. The the stock um he's using the stock Reaper plugins for everything that he does. The stock Reaper stuff's great. Yeah. It just doesn't look very attractive. It's <laughs> ugly as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I use <laughs> stock Reaper stuff all of the time. Uh gets the job done i mean I, d- I definitely do have my third party stuff that i like like my my sonars or not sonar sonic stuff right yeah but you don't depend on them right like like if you well it's to... like my go-to stuff is the sonics plug-in suite okay. why why that instead of just the the stock reaper stuff uh just the workflow of it i, I don't think they particularly look nice either I don't, I don't think they look nice at all <laughs> uh, but i i how the how the eqs and stuff are all set up it it's just works for me for right. my how i like to work 
I like having all my, this is this band, this is this band and like yeah. having my cue and my boost and like all the controls I want out of an EQ is just like in this small little area. Yeah. Uh, if I want, I can look at the graphic EQ, it's showing me what I'm doing, but I, I don't really use those things. Right. Um, so it just works for me. Uh, I enjoy having the compressor plug-in that Sonics makes because, like, it has like several different things all built into it. Like, right. there's a gate, like, like there's different. an expander, mm. there's a compressor, there's a limiter. Doesn't it model different? Uh, there's a tape compressor style thingy. Uh, or is that I know the one? EQ. There's like four types, and oh, it yeah. just changes the style of EQ. So you can have a USA style EQ, or you can have a <laughs> European style EQ. Gotcha. And I do prefer the European style EQs because they usually have wider cues. Hmm. So that's fair. Um, I, but I'm I, definitely a minimal, or yeah. I have gotten rid of a lot of my plugins, <laughs> and I'm only like using the Sonic stuff and UAD mostly. Right, and then some free stuff like I have the the free Lipo guitar amps see and i'm 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 all about liking the look of the thing that i'm that i'm using and simultaneously really liking the workflow and i there's there's a couple of stock stuff that i that i use like the the pro tool stock eq and the cubase stock eq i really enjoy both of those um i don't like the cubase stock eq i really do why don't you like it i i think it's ugly as sin and the workflow doesn't work for me fair enough fair enough i I, I probably like it because I've been using it for 17 years yeah. um, and it hasn't really changed all that much. I mean, the, 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 the GUI has changed as the software has changed, but, but um, I like the pro tool stuff. I think that's an attractive EQ. Yes. Yeah. And, and I like it. I like it significantly less than, um, than the, uh, um, than the Cubase one. Um, but then it, I, I find the, I find the pro tools one a little bit more useful. Because it's got it's five bands instead of instead of four. But so even my then, Sonics is, is like five bands, five bands plus yeah. my uh, low and high pass. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. For for me, it's I definitely got sucked into needing third party plugins, and so I have thousands of dollars worth of them. And if I could sell them, I would. Because um, I don't use most of them. I'm. I definitely have have those handful of plugins that I could probably make a list of 15 plugins that I use really frequently or frequently. Um, and then the other hundred of them, I probably don't, I probably almost never touch. Right. Yeah. Including a lot of the free stuff that people have downloaded and installed on the computer downstairs. I have an SSL plugin called Orchism. And it, it takes any sound and makes it sound kind of Halloween creepy. It's really weird and neat. Interesting. Yeah. yeah that, that's kind of cool just to have because it's and a that's why I've interesting never sound it, yeah. effect thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Who's next? Joey. Is it me again? It's you, sir. Uh, what DAW people use? I hate the argument that people always have about like, oh, <laughs> use this DAW. <laughs> The only fundamentally wrong people are Pro Tools users, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's just your your. Oh, firm that's just my yeah, yeah firm. 
I hate Avid and their business practices and <laughs> the way they fucking have a piece of software that's ancient and everybody thinks it's it's industry standard, but reality is, is it's only industry standard because the old guard Still don't here. want to learn something new. Which and is and, fair, and they're right in not in not not bothering by it, right? Yeah, I mean that's the whole that's the whole point you're trying stick to make is the... stick with what you know because what you know is fine. Yeah, right? I even have I, I have a couple of clients that are working directly out of Fruity Loops or FL Studios or whatever it is. What? I know, See, but but that's I don't the thing like is, that doll, but I can't say to somebody that that's yeah. wrong as long for... as as long as it sounds fine yeah at the end of the day it, it doesn't really matter right yeah like, i mean ultimately the people who use pro tools they're not wrong for using pro tools but if you're going to argue to me that pro tools is better than <laughs> reaper you're fundamentally wrong yeah well and, and, and the only th- the, i mean there's something to dislike about every daw yeah they're they're without mm-hmm. fail there's something to dislike about every yeah, DAW. it's all about personal preference and, with exactly. pro tools it's how much money they probe you for Offline bouncing, or <laughs> what? Uh, when Let's offline even... bouncing was a thing, and they're like, "Oh, you have to buy this upgrade if you want to uh, offline bouncing." When it, like Cubase has had it for like ten years prior to that, you remember the reasoning, though, right? The quality of the sound. Like, no, it was it was they wanted, and and I, I I can confirm this that Cubase is not sample per sample accurate every single time you bounce. Sure, but Pro Tools they claim is. Okay. And, and and that was the big reason they held off on it so long. That's that's the big reason why they went through the audio engine um, redesign and but all that kind of stuff. I prefer. I don't know. Like how many samples are going to be slightly uh, off? No, you're, you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter for the most part. Another thing that just doesn't matter, right? And like the the it, that's the trade off for wanting something to be bounced quickly instead of real yeah. time. Like yeah. Although I do have. It always pisses me off. I have I have a handful of plugins that that don't respond to automation properly in offline bouncing in Pro Tools or in um, or in Cubase, mm-hmm. uh, and so I have to bounce them real time. Otherwise, they're uh, they don't automate the way I've programmed them to. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Isotope Vocal Synth is one of the worst offenders, but it's not the only one. Okay, and then, and and for the, for all I know, that might be a that might be an operating system error too, right? Yeah. Because um, I don't know about this shit, but well, there's a lot going on in the yeah. background that could be causing that problem. Exactly. Um, and that's but why that's that, why I, uh, it, that's just at that's the end of the, the trade off I'm willing to make to have something bounce in less than a minute instead of having to sit there for five minutes while this one song. Which I mean, whatever. Like I could use that five minutes to just take a break, make a coffee, or whatever. But yep. if I'm, let's say I'm mastering a thing, like I don't want to have my computer doing something for forty-five minutes while, yeah, and then not be able to use that computer while it's doing that. Exactly. Um, I'd rather just bounce it in five. Andrew Sheps made the point, um, the best that I've heard to date, uh, when he moved from his. 100% analog rig to 100% digital rig. He asked the band because he did it mid project, right? Mid album. Yeah. He asked the band if there's anything that you don't like. I'm, I'm making a change somewhere in here. If there's anything you don't like about what I've changed, let me know. 
And the band got back to him and said, no, everything's good. It didn't, it didn't make a difference at the end of the day, whether it was digital or analog to him, because the platform didn't matter. It was his brain and how he changed things to sound, how he manipulated things. That was the only thing that mattered at the end of the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you say that the DAW matters if it's not clean, like Harrison? Like they colored the sound? I, I, I get, well, they're I, catering to an audience that wants that analog sound, and like they're emulating that. Yeah. So in that particular case, because now the doll has an inf- like, but that's just a feature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be no different than it'd be no different than running a specific plugin. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and and it, it still comes down to how you make decisions based on what you're hearing. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and so the so the DAW itself doesn't really matter and my pet peeve isn't like people arguing like oh this feature is great therefore i think it's the best daw my argument is more just these there are people online who will say my daw is the best objectively best daw and everybody who disagrees with me is wrong and i think that is a wrong statement to make that's right cool um who's next you me oh shit where's my list um <clears throat> oh yeah okay so this is something that's often debated too um the value of a well-treated room versus learning your room specifically speaking to a mixing space um is it mm. is it really important to treat your room really well or is it really important to know how your room translates and learn your room and its quirks it depends because all all three of us have different have different states of our rooms. Joey, you have very little treatment, uh, or very little intentional treatment. Uh, uh, Roland, no, where I place things is very intentional. All right, like I do have a couch behind me to absorb sound. Okay, like th- that's why it's there. I don't even really sit on that couch ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But it, like it is there to absorb the sound and stop any reverberation get, getting back to me. I want to get a couple of couches and stand them up in the corner. That well, would be my base traps. Really? Yeah, that's, let's do that. <laughs> well, I'm sure if I put like actual treatments, like I could make my space sound better. Right. But like it, it's a house too. So I, yeah. I just don't want all this treatment everywhere. And I'm not going to go full bore. Because it's not even your space, right? Yeah. Like, um. So, so, so what... How do you guys feel? What's what well, is, it took me like a month to learn my space once I had it, but like I did take some a lot of uh, effort to make sure yeah. that where I placed my speakers is like the best sounding space. Gotcha. Or at least in my opinion, where the, the it sounds best, and right. so. I mean, I think it's a combination of both because it doesn't matter how much treatment you put up. If 400 hertz is a problem in your room, it's always going to be a problem whether you have treatment or not. Right. right. That's fair. So you have both. Again, treatment makes you more more efficient, I think. But then you also have to learn the room whether there's treatment or not. Yeah. And I mean, if your room is like really reverby type thing, you're getting a lot of reflections. You're going to have to treat it in some way. Some way anyway. Yeah, that's true. But that can be cheap treatment, like my couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or a bookshelf. Hey, all right, that uh, that leads us out. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I hope your new year is fantastic. 
I uh, hope everybody will return to us in 2018. Um, or if you're listening to this in 2018, best of luck to you. Hope it's not as shitty a year as 2017. See ya. Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.